0: I think it was 2018. Anna Karen, who you may or may not know, she's one of our worship leaders. It was Easter last year. It was Good Friday. And Miss Jamie and I had gotten the call from them a couple of weeks earlier, and Anna Karen and her husband, they were pregnant, and she started spotting a little bit. And uh and so We'd been praying over it for a couple of weeks, and and on Good Friday, uh, we get the phone call uh, that they've lost the baby. And now, Easter is kind of like the Super Bowl for church life because most of you you'll go to church at Christmas and Easter, and then since your nephew's being baptized, you come today. And so, um, I'm just picking on you. <laughs> but we, but at Easter we do like five services just to accommodate. You know the large number of folks who will come to an Easter service, so it's a big deal for us, and we have our best teams up and and I try to preach the best message ever I don't always get there, but it's it I try uh, but and so here, Anna Karen, one of our our main worship leaders, has lost her baby on Friday, Good Friday. so we come to service this Sunday morning and <clears throat> I walk in and they start worship. And I see Anna Karen on the stage. She's right there. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Like you just lost your baby. And then it gets to this moment, and she starts singing this song by Hillsong, Grace to Grace. Yeah. If having my heart was worth your pain, and that love found my soul worth dying for. How wonderful, how glorious my Savior scars from death to life and grace to grace. And she starts singing from grace to grace. I lose it. Jamie looks over me and I'm like, don't look at me, don't look at me, it's going to get worse. And I'm just, because here's this beautiful young lady, their, their first baby, and and, the, and and that baby dies just two days earlier on Good Friday. It's supposed to be Good Friday, not Bad Friday. And here she is leading us in worship. And a song of all songs, that if you had all these scars just for your love for me, then I'm going to keep loving you no matter what happens. That's kind of the gist of the song. And in that moment, as she's leading worship, I, I just, I just, it hit me. See, Anna Karen understands something that many Christians don't. And that is, is that he is good and that he is God and he's worthy of my praise and my worship. No matter what happens to me or around me, whenever, no matter what's coming against me, he is still king of kings and the Lord of lords. And yet will I praise him no matter what comes against me. It was something to behold. She lived out the sermon right there in front of me. I was like, she's the preacher today. She's living out real Christianity. And I want to show you, just a couple of months ago, a picture of Anna Karen, her husband, and their new little baby. <laughs> we're going to move into a little small two-part, maybe three-part series that we're calling, Yet Will I. Though Everything around me may seem destructive, yet will I worship him. This is a mini worship series. My goal in this series is to help you do a couple things. First off, recognize that worship isn't a 25-minute spot on a Sunday that once you've gotten your coffee and latte that you come walk in and if you like the songs, you engage in it. That worship is what we are. It's what we're to bring every moment of the day to the living God. And that there's a step that you take in your maturity in your walk with God that goes beyond, this ain't fair, this isn't right, why did God not do this? And you step into a more mature spot as you grow a little bit. Just like your toddler at some point stops, you know, filling a diaper and start actually makes it to the toilet. You start stepping up a little bit and you get to the place where you recognize, even though everything else around me is not working, I will praise him. I will worship him. Yet will I. By the end of this series, we'll give you practical application pieces throughout the day, throughout the week. But today I want to kind of bring you to the concept of what worship looks like in Psalms chapter 42 and verse 5, if you'll turn on your Bibles, Psalms chapter 42 and verse 5 says it like this, why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why my soul? Now, now, now we see the soul is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions. Why, the psalmist says, soul, why mind, why will, why emotion, why are you downcast? Why? If you'll study this chapter out in Psalms chapter 42, he goes through multiple reasons why he's downcast. My enemies have circled around me. They've threatened my life. They plan my destruction. Come on, some of you work in that environment. They, they've come against me. They speak evil and they curse me on this side and curse me on that side. Why so downcast, oh, my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Why am I so frustrated? Why, why am I so agitated? Why within me don't I have peace? And he makes a shift, and he says, put your hope in God, for I will yet, or yet will I, for I will yet, yet will I praise him, my Savior and my God. He makes a shift. He says, you know what? It may be terrible around me. My soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions, my mind's all messed up. My, 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 my emotions are all over the place. And I, I don't know if I want to kill them. I don't know if I want to love them. I don't, I don't know if I want to quit. I don't know if I want to keep going. Yet will I. Praise him in the midst of all of this foolishness. He says it multiple times in this chapter. He breaks it down into, I'm going through this, and I'm going through that, and I want to quit, I want to give up, I want to be angry, I want to be mad, I want to hurt. Uh, But uh, you know what? Yet will I worship the Lord my God. And the reason why is because the psalmist understands something. And that is worship identifies who's in control of your life. Let it sink, and there it is. Worship identifies Who's in control of your life? Uh, Worship sets the atmosphere, which is proof of what's in control of your life. Have Have you ever been on a team and a new person came on the team and all of a sudden there were these jockeying for who's in charge? Have you ever got a new employee and they were added to your squad or to your team and next thing you know they're trying to tell everybody what to do and you're like, hold up, you ain't been here long enough. And there's this environment shift. There's this, like, oh, we're going to establish the pecking order kind of thing. Have you ever ever been in, in an environment where just one person who's a jerk just makes none of us enjoy working there? They set the scene. They create the environment just by who they are. They actually end up leading out. And if you don't deal with them, they will control the scenario. Why so downcast, oh, my soul? Why am I down? What am I allowing to control my environment? What am I allowing to put, put put me in a place of funk and frustration when I know he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and he holds me in the palm of his hand? And this is but light, momentary afflictions. They will pass away, and they have no meaning when it comes to the end of it all. I'll stand before him. He'll embrace me and say, well done, good and faithful. Why am I so frustrated that I can't get this tire changed? Why have I stopped believing and trusting in God in this moment? Oh, my soul. Shift and worship God. An act of my will. That's what he's teaching us in this piece. See, because whoever whoever is standing there controlling the environment controls the direction. That's why the Dallas Cowboys had to get rid of T.O. Arguably one of the greatest wide receivers in the history. The guy's amazing. But T.O. got this attitude there towards the end with the Cowboys. Told me to bow. And he go, and you'd see him. They, they would zoom in him on the sidelines. And he's yelling at everybody. The defense, the coaches, man, throwing a fit. And what he did was he created an atmosphere. He controlled the environment and it became dysfunctional, became critical of each other. It became, and they couldn't win a game like that. So the management said, hey, we got to get him off of this team and out of this environment so that we can get unity again and we can start moving forward and win some games again. So please, Lord bless the cowboys. Amen. And so it all <laughs> With all that, turn with me to Matthew chapter 4, look at verse 8, talking about controlling the environment based on who's worshiped. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 8, it says, And again, the devil had this moment with Jesus. Satan takes Jesus out, he tempts him two or three times. And on the third time, it says, The devil took him to a very high mountain, verse 8 of Matthew 4, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I'll give you, he said. If you will bow down and worship me, and Jesus looked at him in the face, verse 10, and he said, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. When I was a baby Christian, I first got saved and I read that, I was like, dude, you mean you could have went away from the cross and just like, I bow before you, I don't really mean it, okay. Why not do that? Because I didn't understand that whoever you let control the environment is who you worship." It's who you let lead out and set the pace for your soul, mind, will, and emotions. Jesus said, I will not because there's only one to be worshipped. The living God is who we worship and only him. What happens many times is our environment gets controlled by the fact that we work with a person who's wicked. I tell people all the time, why are you mad about that? That person doesn't know Jesus. Before I knew Jesus, I was rude and critical and steal from you, cuss you? Yes, I was, yeah, I was perverted. They only perverted because they don't know Jesus. Why are you letting them dominate the environment? <laughs> Some of you know my pop. He's an amazing man of God. Pop worked at the chemical plants in Louisiana alongside that Mississippi River. For about 25 years, he worked at this particular chemical plant and. We got radically saved, God changed our lives. We became a family and <clears throat> Pop tells a story he 'd been serving the Lord for a few months and and, and, and the way it works at that at that particular chemical plant is that every morning they would the first the, the night shift would leave, and the morning shift would come in, the day shift would come in, and they would all come into the locker room. Take off their street clothes. Because they were working in a chemical plant, they had uniforms for them. And at the end of the day, they would throw all their uniforms in a, in a, in a, in a bucket. And they would wash them and have them ready for them the next day. And they had, obviously, their names on them and so forth and so on. Um, and so, you know, every morning they would, they would show up. And he said, Monday morning was the worst. He said, Monday morning, everybody's coming in with hangovers. Everybody's rah rah and I had sex with this woman, my wife don't know about it. I smoked a nickel bag and man I did cocaine. I don't I woke up somewhere, I didn't even know where I was at. Ah, he said, you know, that was He said one particular morning he's putting on his shoes, you know, and they're all just and it's just rah, rah, rah. And then I had sex with this one, and man, I tell you I got drunk, I threw up everything. His eyes awesome. I, I tore the do the back end differential out of my truck, man! I don't even know what I hit. I was so loaded, <laughs> and Dad said he just didn't know what happened. All of a sudden, he goes, "Jesus, I love you!" He just kept putting his shoes down. He said the whole place went ah! <coughs> cricket. He said, one by one, hundreds of men just started walking out of the dressing room, going to their, you know, their posts and so forth. He changed the environment based on who he worshipped, pushing out what they worshipped by giving space to who he worshipped. And Jesus came into that space. His presence came into that space. See, what you and I have to learn is that worship is not singing some songs on a Sunday. Worship is is bringing his presence into our environment, pushing out all the fear, all... Listen, when I get scared to death, I'll just go in my room, I'll just begin to worship him all the time. Years ago, I was on my way to work, close to downtown Dallas. I'm in traffic, I'm running late. I'm sure Jamie made me late. It couldn't be my fault. (laughs) And I'm running late early in the morning, and you know, I just don't understand. People, I would like to get do a public service by teaching people how to drive on I-20 and 35. I think I, think I could fix the world. Like, I, I would do a free class to teach them. To so, you know, it, it, there's all these lanes. Drive, if you don't want to, if you want to go slow and talk on your phone, get in the right lane. Those of us who know how to drive at high rates of speed need the left lane. You're in the way. Get out of the way. <clears throat> And so I'm just frustrated and just trying to get past all these dumb people. And it ends up like it is, you know, at 730, you know, right there at 35 and 20 and going north. Uh, it ends up a parking lot. It's just a parking lot. And I'm trying to get there, and I'm running late. And, uh, and I come up, and, I, and there's this car next to me, and there's this beautiful black woman. And she just... <laughs> she's, and she's got her windows down. So I'm like, what is she listening to? She gets my attention. So I roll my window down, and she's like, take these shackles off my feet so I can dance. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to praise him. And so next thing I know, I'm looking at her, she looks at me, and I'm like, I'm going to praise him. I start worshiping. <laughs> I'm going to praise him. Everything in the car shifted. I became a man of God again in that moment. It was amazing how worship Shifts the environment. Are you? Are you with me? Say yes. I want to turn your attention to Paul and Silas in the Book of Acts. If you'll kind of get ready and turn towards the Book of Acts, Acts chapter sixteen is this crazy moment. Now, Paul and Silas they're on a second missionary. Paul's on a second missionary journey. As you read early in the chapter sixteen, he's on his way into Asia, which I've told you before. Had he gone into Asia, Asia would have got the gospel before Europe, and so all you, especially all you Anglo's, we wouldn't be Christians. It would be more Chinese and all these other guys would be Christians uh, coming to us to bring us the gospel later in in, in the years to come. And And so God speaks to him. Literally, it says, and Jesus tells him, do not go into Asia, but redirects him. So they end up in Philippi. They take a boat, they end up in Philippi. They don't know anybody in Philippi. They just kind of start street witnessing and stuff. They kind of go out to, uh, you know, to in the morning where most of the business is happening. And they end up meeting this gal named Lydia. Now Lydia ends up being a very wealthy, very prominent leader. They're in Philippi, and she deals with with uh, clothes and, and garments and, and purple, which is a fine, uh, a very expensive, uh, you know, process of turning garments purple. And only the very rich had those kind of purple garments. It's like those Nikes that are eight thousand dollars, you know. And so, so she's got those, you know. And so they begin talking with her, and they win her to Christ. So now they're like, "Dude, we got a great influencer in the city." So they just start going around ministering and kind of just street evangelism, just talking to everybody. People are getting saved. It's a miracle. In the process of that, this little slave girl, who's a fortune teller, starts following them around. Well, when you first read that, you think, oh, this is the great thing. This slave girl, is, you know, this fortune teller girl, is gonna, she's going to you know, really get people saved too. She's going to get changed. And, but she doesn't. Just the opposite. For three days, she follows them around, and she's literally creating havoc. And you picture that, you know, as Paul and they are walking up to a crowd. Of people, hey, we're just here to tell you guys about Jesus. They're here to tell you about Jesus, Jesus. You know, whatever she's doing. And she's creating havoc and she's probably false prophesying and all this kind of stuff. Paul lets it go on for about three days. Now, I picture Paul as a type A personality. So I'm sure this is driving him insane. But he also knows... That her owners, she's a slave, her owners are very prominent in the city city of Philippi. So if he does anything, these guys are literally going to attack him. Because they're making a lot of money off this chick. And so they don't want to lose their money that they're making off of her. And so Paul, after three days, can't take it anymore. And she's over there. And he finally turns to her and says, in the name of Jesus, be delivered. Come out of her, Savior. And demons come out of her. She's set in her right mind. She's at peace all of a sudden. And makes she's her Lord and Savior. Well, when that happens, her owners lose their mind because they've just lost a major income source. So they grab up Paul and Silas. They crowd justice. They beat on them. Then they take them to the courts. Now, the court system isn't like what we have in modern times where you get your day in court. They take them in front of their bros, their paid-off little judicial guys, and they say, these guys have done this, and they've done this, and they've done this, and they're telling half-truths and all that. Paul didn't even get to defend himself, and they say, okay, and they have them beat now I don't know when the last time was you caught a beating. I'm not talking about when when you, when when your mom whooped you. I'm not talking about that. Well, if you're African American, Hispanic, you might have got a beating. Okay. <laughs> all you little white people, put them in timeout. Use timeout, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I love all my black mamas. I got you timeout. Come here. I'm gonna time you out right now. <laughs> and so. And so they beat on these guys. I'm sure they got broken nose, cracked ribs. They had them beaten. They beat them with clubs. And then they put them in prison. They put them in prison. And so I want to kind of pick up right there. And I know that some of you guys struggle with your ability to catch an image in your brain. So I'm going to create the image. Pastor Sean, come help me. So we're going to kind of be Paul and Silas in prison today. So they would have chained them to the walls and probably chained their feet too. So they they were sitting. uh Uh-oh, lost my microphone. kid and so they would have chained them to the walls and then what would happen is they would have been sitting there Ooh, you almost pulled the wall down <laughs> i just want to point out to all you carpenters that i built this i <laughs> just want to say that and when it falls apart you can say to me yeah we know Pastor. you shouldn't you st- stick to preaching <clears throat> and so they're in this prison now the bible says it's midnight now again come on put yourself in their scenario they've been beat I mean, they've got bloody eyes, broke nose, cracked ribs. They, they are exhausted. They've been beat on, they've been lied on. You talk about a bad day. I mean, you and I work out on the treadmill for 30 minutes and we can't move for three weeks, all right? So <laughs> this is this is not that. This is a whole nother level of pain and being stoved up and broke down. And the Bible says at about midnight, now again, picture the type of prison they're in. They're not in a prison like you know. They ain't got no cable, there's no internet. There's not even any lights. Typically, these prisons were dug down in the ground. They're like cave-dwelling type prisons. They'd build a top layer on top of it, but they would put it down in the ground. That way, there was really no place to go. And so, typically, the sewer of the city, the water would flow down into these low spots. So, they're probably sitting in water, infested with rats. Uh, it's, it's, you talk about not clean And so they're sitting down in this, and they put Paul and Silas in the inner inner sanctum, kind of like the the, the place where no one, no one can get to. And it says that at midnight, they just begin to sing, they begin to worship. Oh, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that says. that the entire prison stopped what they were doing, which was nothing because they're pinned to a wall. <laughs> and they just listened. It's midnight. Nobody's cursing them. Shut up, you blanking and effort blankers. you are trying to sleep. Nobody's cursing them. Nobody's mad at them. They've got everyone in the prison's attention. They just keep singing, keep worshiping. They just keep singing out. You got any other song, Silas? That's the only song I know is Amazing Grace. Uh, let's see. Oh, wait a minute. My knee hurts so bad. Uh, that big dude fell on me. I got an itch yeah. on my back. Can you, can you no, that's not going to happen. Okay. <laughs> that's not going to happen. Uh, what other song we can sing right now because that's all I got? Bless the Lord, oh my soul. That's a good one. Oh, my it's hard and blessing right now. My ribs are hurting. Worship his holy name. I choose to bless you, Jesus. Sing like never before. And as they begin to sing, oh, and they worshiped, all of a sudden Worship something happened. Ah! 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 Okay, so the Bible says their chains fell off, and every Prison door opened. Everybody say, that's a miracle. Okay, so they're worshiping, and as they're worshiping, the chains fall off everybody, not just them, but all the other knotheads. Everybody's chains fall, and then the prison doors open. That's one great miracle. Here's the second great miracle. Nobody left. In fact, the Bible says that the guard, the chief guard, the, the man in charge of the prison, when he realized in the pitch of night Now again, there's no electricity you Don't flip a switch make sure everybody's there head counting You're in the pitch darkness And he's trying to get his little torch lit to go up in there and, 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 and he just knows The gates are open All the cells are open If I go any further, they're going to kill me anyway And not only that, but I have not done my job And so they're going to kill me anyway So I'm going to fall on my sword And kill myself And he's about to kill himself When Paul and Silas yell out Hey, don't do it we're all still here. Can you imagine that guy's like, come again? Because I want you to picture for a moment. If Huntsville has a moment, <laughs> Well, all the chains fall off and all the doors fly open? I'm going to just tell you right now, you're going to be driving down the interstate and there'll be dudes in orange suits just running, just all up and down that interstate. Nobody left because when they begin to worship, the presence of the of the living God came into that space and captivated everyone in there, because in that moment, nothing else mattered but that the living God has come into this space with us. The jailer ends up becoming a christian it ends up he and his family probably propagate what is there, the church at Philippi that grows into this massive community of believers all in the midst of this one miracle as they worship. Get Pastor Shawn a hand. Good job, Bro. Thanks for the help. <laughs> I want you to understand something. They grabbed these guys and they said, "You know what? We don't want your god." And they said, "Yet will I." They took them from that place, falsely accused, and they beat them and they said, "Yet will I." Then they grabbed them, threw them in the prison. And in the middle of their darkest hour, they declared, yet will I worship and praise the living God. See, here's the problem. The moment you get in a tough situation, you start talking about how bad the situation is. What you've got to learn to do is to yet will I, yet will I worship him even though they repossess my car and yet will I praise him, yet will I declare that he is good, even though my kids and I aren't talking right now, he's still the king of kings and the lord of lords, because what happens is when you worship, you bring him into that space, I need you to understand what worship is and what it does so write these thoughts down for just a moment, number one worship is declaring his lordship into the situation see when you worship, you're saying I'm not in control, I can't fix it God is in control of my life And so when you begin to worship at, at your job I have friends of mine who told me The business deal was going sideways We were sitting across the table I thought I was going to jerk that little skinny dude And punch him upside the face I stepped aside and said, give me just a second And I went in my office And for 15 minutes I got down on my knees And I began to sing to Jesus how good he was And all of a sudden his presence came in His lordship was reestablished And I was able to go back in that business meeting And something supernatural turned Why? Because when we worship, we're establishing, we're bringing forth his lordship into that situation. Your inability, your your lack of desire, your lack of understanding to bring Jesus into those situations is actually killing some of you and frustrating. And that's why you're living in pressure and stress and turmoil because you don't know how to take that moment and say, I will worship him. He is king of kings. I may be chained up. I may be frustrated. I may be agitated. I may be misappropriated. But he is still the king of kings and the lord of lords and yet will I worship him no matter what's happening in this moment. This is the place you and I have to get to. We've got to give Jesus the space to invade and take over. We do that by declaring his lordship into that space. Here's the second thing that worship is, and that is, number two, it's a choice, not a feeling. It's a choice, not a feeling. Years ago, when Jamie and I were really going through something, I mean, it was tough. And I really was angry at God. I was mad at him with all of my get out. And the first thing I stopped doing was worshiping. I'm like, you're not getting my praise. Because I'm mad at you right now. And I came across this passage in Habakkuk. This is 20 years ago. And it marked me. I want to read it for you today. Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 17. It says, though the fig tree does not bud... And no grapes are on the vine. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food. Let me put it in your vernacular. Though my car won't start and I can't get to work. Though the money they said they were going to pay me didn't end up being the right money. Though I made this investment and it keeps falling apart. And I'm broke is all get out. And I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Verse 18. Yet will I Rejoice in the Lord, I will be joyful in God my Savior. See, the mature people I will bring, understood. No matter what the circumstances, no matter what the presence is happening around me, I will bring him into that place by worshiping him. Yet will I praise him though nothing's going right. Yet will I praise him though that everything's come against me. Yet will I praise him. You can't steal my praise. You can't take that from me. When I when I've met some of these back in the day, some of these people that were in prison because of their Christianity. I met some of these guys out of China. Some of these guys that had been in Romania during the Cold War. And they were in prison for their Christianity. They kept telling me one thing over and over. All of them didn't even know each other. They said they could not steal my praise. They could steal my health. They they, they They could starve me to death. They could beat me. But they could not steal my praise. I would keep praising. And it drove the guards insane until each of those guards began to give their lives to Jesus. Because they said there's a power greater in you than what we understand. Yet... Will I praise him? See, we get to make that choice. You get to make that choice. Most people only know how to worship by feelings. If it feels good, oh, I like this song. This is my song. Mm, This is my groove. Mm. Mm. Oh, that's that white people song. I don't like that. Oh, that's too Latino for me. I can't do that. I can't do it. Seriously, that's what we deal with in church all the time because we're multiracial, multigenerational. Oh, my God, the drums are so loud. Oh, my God. Ah, my God, oh my God, my God. See what I've learned to do? I've learned to worship no matter if I like it or not. Because it's a choice, not a feeling. I get to make that choice that he's Lord. I'm bringing his lordship into that. I make that choice. Would you help me make some choices today? When the bills are stacking up, yet will I. Say it with me. When the bills are stacking up, when the kids have lost their minds in the minivan, I feel like I'm going to stab them all. When sickness is attempting to dominate my body. Yes, when the relationship has lost its love. Yes, when they shut down my job. Yes, when they say I'm a loser. Yes, when they come against me. Yes, when the bill collector's coming, I ain't got the money. Yes, when my husband don't act the way he's supposed to act. Yes, when the church don't act the way it's supposed to act. I will worship him because he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I choose that I put him in the throne of my heart to determine the environment all around me. I let him set the pace, not the circumstances set the pace of my environment. Here's the third thing you got to learn about worship. And that is that worship is an activator of miracles. It's an activator of miracles. I'm going to let that sink for a second. And there it is. It's an activator of miracles. Paul and Silas began worshiping, and that activated something. It activated miracles. You say, well, how does that happen? Uh, Doctrinally, how how does that happen? Let me me just help, help you understand. Worship breathes faith into the destructive situations. Because I say he's good. I love you. You're God. It don't matter what's going on. You are Jesus and I love you. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. I know this one thing that no matter what comes my way, I will serve the Lord all my days. I know this that he holds me in the palm of his hand and no one can pluck me out. I know this neither heights nor depths nor principalities can separate me from the love of God. And as you begin to speak that, sing that, rejoice in that, praise that into the circumstance, what that does is it breathes life into faith. And we know, if you study the scripture, that if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can say to that mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea. So you see faith completely being the thing that connects to the supernatural. All the, Jesus says, because of your unbelief, that's why we couldn't do that. It's because of your faith, that's why she's healed. Because of you guys' faith, that's why this, this, man, this man is going to get set free. Because the, the four crazy friends, good job guys. Faith. But what activates Faith. Is when you begin to worship. Because what you're saying is, you know what? I can't do it in my own strength. I can't make this happen. I can't make her love me again. I've blown this too much. So I'm just going to worship you. I can't fix this job situation. These guys are a bunch of idiots. I can't help these guys. I can't, make, I can't argue it into them to where they'll go, oh, you're right. We've been wrong of kings of time. When's that ever happened? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to sit here. I'm going to worship the king of kings and the lord of lords. That's going to activate faith and miracles are going to come as a result. You don't believe me? What about in the Old Testament? When they came, ag- the children of Israel came against one of the greatest military obstacles ever, the great wall. This great wall that no one's been able to penetrate, the wall of Jericho. They're, no one can get past it. All their strategies can't get past it. No one's been able to conquer this, this group of people. And God says, I can do it for you. but I want you to do is every morning wake up, get the worship team out there, get the Ark of the Covenant, get all the military people in line behind the worship team, and everyone, including the soldiers, march around the thing singing to me and shouting that I'm the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now, you get you a Special Forces Navy SEAL Green Beret, and he's got all his gear on. You know they love their gear. They love their gear. I'm gonna tell you right now, that's what they're all about. It's the gear in this pocket, I can kill you with this thing right here. This pocket right here, right here. My ankle. got key. I got I got more. It's fun to watch those guys try to go through security. <laughs> and they got all this stuff, right? And so don't worry about your stuff today for the next seven days. We're gonna march around singing. You are good, good, oh, and worship. Can you imagine the opposing force of special forces and military personnel on top of that wall as they look down at these dudes? Like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> you gonna sing us to death? All right, it's working. Okay, none of y'all sing. Y'all suck. Go home. You're killing us. <laughs> Can you imagine? And they're around, dude. You're so ooh, you're so lucky. You're so lucky. God tells them, I want you to worship around it. Seven times, and at the last one, you shout and yell, and I'm going to bring the walls down. (laughs) And the Bible records that when they yelled and shouted and praised and worshiped on that last day, that these walls came falling down. And we're not talking about walls like we build our little buildings. We're talking about, like, the Great Wall of China, like, that's however many, you know, feet thick. How high. I mean, reinforced, reinforced, reinforced. I mean, this is their lifeblood. If this wall comes down, these people are... They're done. So this thing has been their safety net. And all of a sudden, it comes falling down because of worship. Because worship activates miracles. You need a miracle in your life, start worshiping again. It's not worship. say, yeah, I just don't know how to do that. Well, come back next week. We're going to teach you the practice, the practical pieces. But today, you need to catch the heart. Some of your life is being wasted because you're trying to do all this in your own strength. And you need to come back to what matters. Though the fig tree fell to blossom. No fruit be on the vine, yet I will worship, I will praise you, O Lord divine. You know what? I'll tell my soul, why are you downcast? God is still on his throne. I will worship the Lord my God in the midst of all the difficulty, hardship, yet will I. Turn to the person next to you and say, yet will I. Now stand to your feet all across the room. I want to minister to you for just a moment. Would you just bow your heads with me for just a moment? Close your eyes. Come on, just bow your head. Close your eyes. If you're new to us, I don't have you do that because we send little elves around to rob your purse while you're not looking. We, I do that so you can just concentrate. So you can just kind of have a moment with the Lord. Because if you're like me, I'm so ADDDD. The moment I see something, I start thinking about that, you know. so Just kind of give you a place of safety. Talk to the Lord. With your head bowed and your eye closed. Hey, Christian. How how much frustration have you been living in because you've forgotten how to worship? Hey, Christian, I would remind you that worship is, is not a little moment on a Sunday. You have to determine, yet will I, I will worship him, I will put him on the throne of the situation by how I declare his lordship. How angry have you been lately? How confused have you been lately? Go back to your source of power. Paul and Silas, a dark, wicked space. Misappropriated. Mishandled, abused. In the midst of that, they begin to sing. Mustered up the courage to begin to tell Jesus, how beautiful he was. Begin to sing to him, lifting praises, declaring his goodness, praying, shouting at the top of their voices that he's good in the midst of their pain. All the other prisoners were mesmerized. What are these dudes doing? Where do they get this kind of strength from? It came from knowing that nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. That no weapon formed against me can prosper. That this is a momentary light affliction. That will end well for the kingdom of God. They brought his presence into that space. T.O. had to go. He had to go. Because his attitude was dominating the environment. You need to tell frustration to go. It's dominating your environment. Nobody likes being around you anymore. You're grumpy. You've lost your worship. You're hard to deal with because nothing's ever satisfactory because you're angry on the inside putting back on the throne of your heart through worship right there where you stand I want you to think about the scenarios where you've forgotten didn't know how to worship and you know that the environment was toxic and I want you now to ask the Lord to help you and I want you to make a declaration from this point forward, under your breath, right there in your mind, in your heart, that you will be a worshiper in every situation. Not at church on Sundays, at work on Monday, and the drive through in the traffic on Friday afternoon. When you get that phone call, that phone call, you know the one we're all scared of. When you, when you have to adjust your schedule because somebody else's stupidity. Yet will I praise Him. Yet will I worship him. Would you make that declaration right now under your, under your voice to the Lord? Father, I pray right now for our people, those watching by way of live stream, those at our other campus. Lord, I pray right now that our people, Church on the Hill people, would have a yet will I attitude. Lord God, that these men and women would be worshipers. That Lord God, that they would see the miraculous on a daily basis. That they would know your lordship. That they would declare your lordship into the areas that seem so, so hurtful, so harmful, so toxic. God, I pray right now in Jesus' name that the people of Church on the Hill, that their friends and neighbors and co-workers say, I don't know why. It's like no matter what comes against you, you still have joy, you have, still have peace. You, you seem like, like nothing phases you and they'll be able to say, yeah, you know why? Because I walk in faith because the God that I serve holds everything in the palm of his hand so I can worship freely. Nothing, nothing will imprison me. Not fear, not anger, not depression, Not perversion, nothing will imprison me. I am free. and free to worship him. Father, I thank you right now that you are freeing us and delivering us. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if today you say, Pastor, I'm not a Christian. If I died, I I wouldn't go to heaven. I'm pretty sure Jesus, he wouldn't let me in. Friend, I got such good news for you. He's not mad at you. He died on a cross 2,000 years ago just to get you. He paid the penalty for our sin. And and, and can I just say this about you? You can't be too too horrible of a person. You've got to have some kind of love for God in your heart because you came here today. You're watching this podcast today. You had to have some kind of desire for God. No one confused you. No one tricked you. You didn't think this was a club when you pulled up. You didn't wake up on a Sunday morning and get dressed nice go to a book reading, you knew this was church and that God would be here. So that shows that you do want God in your life. And I want to help you with that. Some of you feel shamed. You feel like there's no way back to God because of the things that you've done. I want you to know He's not, he's not shaming you. He made a way. And the Bible says it like this, if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that He is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that He will forgive you he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now the expectation of that is that because you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that that you started a brand new relationship with Jesus and that love relationship then begins to help you grow out of the the lustfulness and the anger and the hatred and you, you just kind of, those things kind of start falling off as you grow with him. But that it's a commitment to a relationship. Today with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'd like to pray with anyone would say, Pastor, it's time. I, I need God in my life. I need to I need to stop running away from Him. Maybe you say, Pastor, I used to be a Christian, but, you know, life happened. And i have walked away. I feel separated. I feel divorced from Jesus. I'd like to re- re-engage you with him. Just a prayer away. Now, I just want to tell you, no one's looking. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Here in just a moment, if that's you, if I'm talking to you, you say, man, Pastor, that's me. I need to get right with God. Then I'm going to, just a moment, get you to lift your hand. I'm not, I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to point you out. That's why I've got everybody's head bowed and eye is closed. So you can make a deep, eternal decision right now, you and God. I want you to know, indecision is a decision. Just want to point that out. I'm not ready. or not right now. Okay, well, you're making a decision. You don't want God now. Just, just understand that. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Pastor, God's tugging at my heart. I feel him. It's time. The old preacher said it like this. There's a door between you and Jesus, and the doorknob's on your side. you got to open it up and let him in. He won't knock down the door. If you want Jesus in your life, you're ready to repent. I'd like to pray with you right where you stand. No one's looking around. If that's you, would you just acknowledge that by lifting your hands and saying, God bless you, sir. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Thank you, bro. Thanks for your honesty. Yes, ma'am. God bless you. Anybody else? Pastor, this time, I need to get right with God. I don't want to live like this anymore. I want Jesus in my life. Okay, I see you. God bless you. Anyone else? About two more seconds so we don't need to belabor it. Yes or no? Is this what you want? I'll lead you in a prayer of repentance right where you stand. Amen. Put your hands down I want to lead you in that prayer now In fact, if you don't mind Everyone in the audience If you pray out loud Alongside of those who lifted their hand And those who lifted your hand I want you to mean this with all of your heart There's nothing magical about these words What supernatural is you said Yes, I want God I'm just going to help you put the the period At the end of the sentence That's all we're going to do Through this prayer of commitment So let's pray together Say it like this Say Jesus Today I admit I'm a sinner And I've sinned against you And I ask you now To forgive me I accept what you did on the cross for me. And here and now, I declare Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your book of life. I promise to serve you all the days of my life in Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. Father, I pray for every man and woman who prayed out that prayer, who cried out to you with all sincerity. I pray right now they would feel the peace, the peace that comes. There's no longer an elephant in the room. They don't have to feel guilty anymore. They've asked for forgiveness, and you have done it. And Jesus, I thank you right now, Lord God, that they'll start knowing the joy of their salvation, the joy joy of knowing, you know what? I may not be perfect, but I am forgiven. And God, I pray right now, Lord God, even tonight, tomorrow, when they start, you know, Stumbling and and going, making some mistakes and they hear that old thought in their head ah, see, you didn't mean it, you didn't really want to be a Christian they say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute I may not be perfect, but I am forgiven and I may not do it all right, but I am a son I'm a daughter of the Most High God I made a commitment to Him, He made a commitment to me and we're together, and so Jesus, I thank you right now, that every man and woman who cried out to you in holiness of this moment, that you have forgiven them Lord, I thank you that they'll sense that right now And, Lord, they'll walk out of this place with their shoulders back, their head held high, knowing I'm a son, I'm a daughter of the Most High God. He's got me in the palm of his hand. And, Lord, may they walk in that forgiveness and that joy all their days. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said "Amen, amen. Amen.